The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the gospel of the Lord. Peace to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning, this familiar account of the visitation of the wise men to the child that Jesus recorded in Matthew chapter 2 that Vickers just read for us. January 6th is the festival of Epiphany in the church. And Epiphany, you've probably heard somewhere along the line, is a Greek word that means to reveal, to make known In this case, so that we can discover something that was hidden but now is brought out into plain sight for all to see. So it is for the next six weeks that God reveals himself to us in Jesus so that we can discover the heart of God. That is, that we might discover the very core of God's being, what drives him, what the whole story of his creation and of our world is moving toward. January 6th has also been indelibly marked on our American psyche for other reasons, prompted by events back in 2020 that, trust me, I am in no position to try and sort out from this pulpit. But it does make for an interesting sort of backdrop to our celebration of Epiphany, our longing for the very heart of God. I was talking before services last week with a few people sitting in their pews and standing at Uh, the New Year's Eve, asking them if they were ready. Are you ready for 2024? Then two different people in two different sections of the sanctuary both responded to me that they were not looking forward to the new year because of the upcoming presidential election and all of the nonsense that that brings into 
our world every four years in this country. And so I started this week my study and my preparation for this very familiar Christmas story with the realities of our political climate floating in the background. And I wondered to myself if there was something in this word from God to calm our nerves, to soothe our uncertainty, to give us a confidence and a courage to navigate whatever it is that lies in the year ahead with some dignity and some poise. I started another book recently by the Anglican theologian and pastor N.T. Wright, which is entitled Simply Jesus. And his stated purpose with this book is to reveal Jesus in a fresh and powerful way to his 21st century readers. And in the opening chapters, this line caught my attention. Listen to what Wright wrote. Again and again in the past, the way Israel had told its story was different from the way that God was planning things. The people no doubt hoped that the way they were telling their own stories would fit comfortably enough into the way that God was seeing things. But again and again, the prophets had to say that that was not so. Often, God's way of telling the story cut clean against their national narrative. And I think so it is with us. We live in our own personal stories. We, we live with our own preferred vision of our national story, hoping that somehow the way that we like to tell it will comfortably fit into the way God sees things and then again and again discovering what God said plainly through his prophet Isaiah, your ways are not my ways, (laughs) neither are your thoughts my thoughts, says the Lord. Now this morning God reveals his heart reveals his saving ways in unexpected ways to unlikely people like the wise men and you and me. Matthew was one of the first followers of Jesus who wrote this account of Jesus' life. And and one of Matthew's themes in the early part of his book is of human ignorance that requires nothing less than direct divine revelation if we're going to discover the heart of God. Matthew in these opening chapters shows us again and again that it's behind our normal way of thinking about things that God's hidden realities, his unexpected ways of saving us are revealed. So I'd like to begin this morning by comparing the wise men and the religious leaders of the day. Now, we should start by saying that wise men is probably not the best translation. 
And I'm sure that you've all heard this word left untranslated from the original language as magi. Did you know that the only other place in the whole Bible that magi make an appearance is in the Old Testament prophet Daniel, where they are summoned, these magi, by King Nebuchadnezzar to not only tell him what his dream was, but to interpret the dream for him. And they were completely and absolutely helpless to do so. They were anything but wise. And it was only Daniel, again, with God's direct help, who was able to explain the king's dreams. So the same thing is true here. Without God's direct help, these magi would never have put two and two together. Even the star that appeared for his birth, they left home acting on their human reason And they go where? They go to Jerusalem, because where else would a king of the Jews actually be born? And when they get there, once again, it requires the direct intervention of God, this time through the prophet Micah. Look, the story of Jesus, the fact that it begins in Matthew's gospel with foreigners following a star to worship a newborn king isn't just a little romantic Hollywood movie twist. It is instead completely unexpected and a rather severe judgment on the chief priest and the scribes that King Herod summons to tell him where this king, the Christ no less, the one long promised Messiah king who would put the whole world right again was to be born. Now they knew in Bethlehem. They even quoted the right Bible verse from the prophet Micah. And yet they are completely clueless. See there's a warning in there, I think, for us, for religious people who read our Bibles, who come to church, who say our prayers, who do our our civic and our religious duties faithfully, who like to write our own little stories the way that we think that they should go and somehow hope that it will all fit comfortably into what God has in mind When what we really need is a constant openness and awareness to God's unexpected ways of entering into our life story, even into our national story. This is what we're trying to do here as a congregation. Awaken hearts to the power of life in Christ. Training you to look for, to discover the heart of God. Yes, of course, in the everyday ordinary, but people especially in the context of this message, in the unexpected places of this new year. A little frightening to think about. Maybe in the unexpected challenges and the struggles that will come into your personal story. 
maybe even in the unexpected outcomes of our national story. Because God makes his saving ways known in the most unexpected places of life, to the most unlikely people. Secondly, I want you to compare Herod's way of ruling with God's way. Now, Herod, you may know, is a classic power-brokering politician, manipulating people and events to serve his own ego. He is known to the world as Herod the Great, because he was, by all worldly standards. He had negotiated his title, the King of the Jews, with the Roman overlords who were willing to let him rule any old way he pleased as long as he collected their taxes and maintained order. Herod's public works were extraordinary. And the remains of them you can still see to this day. They inspire the tourists and the scholars alike. For example, the Jewish temple, although it was completely destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, stood on a plaza that Herod had enlarged to cover 37 acres on the top of Mount Zion. And all that is left today are the retaining walls. And those alone are breathtaking. You'll go down to the coast to, to Caesarea. And there's an artificial harbor at another palace that Herod built that boggles the modern mind. The remains of the, of the Herodium, a palace that was near, near Jericho, is, is, is remarkable even 2,000 years later. And then there's the palace at the top of, of Masada, perched on top of a 1,400-foot outcropping of rock that will leave you speechless. Herod was great by worldly standards. And he was ruthless with his power and paranoid. He killed the members of his own family if he suspected any of them to be angling for his throne. And his duplicity of saying one thing while intending to do another is made plain as he summons the magi to secretly pretend to, to help them if they will only help him find this newborn king. Oh yes, so that he could go and worship him. Only you know what he's really up to. Because in the very next verses, he sends his soldiers to Bethlehem to murder all of the little boys, two years old and younger. A suitable margin of error based on the Magi's report of when the star had first appeared. Now, we would be quite foolish to think that human nature and power politics has changed all that much in the last 2,000 years. Or that somehow our nation is more pure in its methods than all the others have been? No, the surprise... The surprise is that right smack dab in the middle of a political mess is a child 
who's now in a house, not the stable where he was born, with his mother when unexpected visitors arrived to worship the king, the Christ. The prophet Micah says a mouthful, from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. See, God's way of ruling is shockingly unexpected. And it stands in sharp contrast to Herod's power politics. Here's the heart of our true king, and it's a shepherd's heart. A good shepherd who will leave the 99 sheep that haven't wandered off to go look for the one that has. Who's not a hired hand that runs off at the first sight of trouble, but will willingly lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus reveals the heart of God in his preaching, in his teaching, in his healing. Jesus declares that in his arrival, the kingdom of God, that is the whole world put right, has begun. Jesus robs all the power from politics and religious posturing by willingly dying on the cross so that he can bring us back under the right reign and the right rule of our good shepherd. Jesus rose from the dead to declare absolute victory over all of the evil that's been unleashed in this world. Jesus has ascended back into the realm where he rejoins the Father and the Holy Spirit to rule and to reign over all things even now. Yet you will surely wonder, and many are the skeptics today who mockingly ask, That if what's going on in the world today is what God's rule and reign looks like, it's pretty dismal. But understand that that's because God's saving ways are shockingly unexpected and revealed. They are made known. They are epiphanied to and through unlikely recipients like you and me. As I close out this sermon, I want to compare the Magi's response to Jesus' presence in this world to your response, to mine. The star appeared. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. It stopped directly over the place where Jesus was. They entered the house, they saw the child and his mother, they fell down and worshipped, and they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gifts that are fit for a king. Look, here is God's surprising, unexpected way of making his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God led every one of you here today. And you've entered the house, the house where the very place where God has promised to reveal himself. Will you see Jesus this morning? Because you see, seeing him is a continuous and ongoing activity. He is here. 
in the words that I'm speaking to you, in the water of your baptism. Wherever two or three are gathered together in his name. One, two, yep, we made the quota. But have you fallen down before him and worshipped him? Because this language means complete surrender. This is kneeling before King Jesus and saying, Thy will be done. This is the posture of a soldier kneeling with his sword lifted up and offered to his king and saying, You are in charge now. You command my life. This surrender, this surrender means that everything in your life is now part of God's unexpected work to put the world right, which is being done right now through the simple faith of people like you and me until Jesus comes again. Here is the offering that you bring. It's your whole self, and it is the only gift you have that is fit for the king. We came across this little acronym some time ago, and you'll be seeing and hearing more of it this coming year. But think about the progress here. We enter, we see Jesus, we fall down in worship, we offer our Life with all capital letters as an acronym in service to him and his kingdom. L is for labor that you offer that includes everything from your career. That is the way that you do your job day in and day out. To volunteering your time beyond your work and family that brings the kingdom of God more and more into this place. Influence is simply the role that you play in the lives of the other people that you interact with. Finances probably doesn't need any comment except maybe to ask when was the last time you evaluated how much of what God has given you, which is everything you have, by the way, are you giving away for the expansion of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Oh, and your expertise, well, that's all of your unique gifts and talents, wherever they might be. Put to use in every area of your life with the advancement of God's kingdom, the world put right through faith in Jesus as your mission, as your goal, as your driving passion. God is revealing his saving ways through the life that he has given you. John Chrysostom was a pastor in Antioch, Syria in the 4th century. In a sermon that he preached on this text, he argued that the star that led the Magi to Jesus 
was not a natural astronomical phenomenon, but rather not a star at all, but a supernatural light that somehow was provided by God to first point them toward Jerusalem where they would learn from the written word of God in the prophet Micah that Bethlehem was the place where the king would be born And then the light appeared before them again and led them specifically to the place where Jesus lay. Now what that light was is a mystery that will remain hidden and we will never solve, as my kids, kindergarten and teachers used to put it, put that in your Jesus pocket. But it made me think about the place where Jesus said to his followers, You are the light of the world. You are the supernatural, unrepeatable miracle of God that is shining in the darkness of 2024 to show the way to Jesus for your children and your grandchildren and your parents and your spouse and your extended family and your coworkers and your neighbors, you name it. God is revealing his heart. And it's the heart of our shepherd king, Jesus, in surprisingly unexpected ways, namely through you and me and the life that he has given to us. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in this true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Here's your weekly awakening question. How will the heart of King Jesus shape your life, capital L-I-F-E? How will the heart of King Jesus shape your life in this coming year?